0: Uh, you know, dad, there's no business, like, there's nothing the last few months, I don't have any work. And he was very calm. And he said, oh, business is like that. Mm -hmm. Some months, you won't have work and some months, you'll have so much work that you have to hire other people. Mm -hmm. And you won't know what to do, you won't know how to balance it. Mm -hmm. And I think these these kind of uh, motivational factors made it easy. And uh, I would tell every woman out there who's listening uh, that, especially single moms, that if, as a single mother, you can run your house, you mm-hmm. can run a business. That's it. Yeah. It's just like a baby, right? That's it. That's yeah. it.
1: to gladiatrix i am woman and hear me roar i'm your host Melanie sarma every week i will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could so if you don't want to miss a story make sure you subscribe Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, if you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. You can reach me on Instagram at Malini Sarma, on my website, MaliniSarma.com, or on Facebook at Malini Sarma, M-A-L-I-N-I-S-A-R-M-A. In today's episode, we're speaking with Sona Nambiar. Sona was born and raised in India, but has lived in Dubai for almost 25 years. For someone who is a voracious reader and a lover of the written word, she calls herself an accidental journalist. She went from working woman to wife and mother, and now entrepreneur and single mom. Today, she runs her own consulting company that provides content strategy. She's also a creative photographer that uses her lens to capture one-minute videos of cities and its people. And this is her story. Hey, Sona, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: I'm really excited to hear your story. Um, Thank you, uh, Mali, for inviting me. Uh, It's an honor actually uh, being on this show. And also, thank you for taking the effort to align timings. Oh, not a problem.
1: I I would have done anything to hear your story because I think (laughs) it's so fascinating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, So, yeah.
1: And I remember just just from talking to you earlier, you know, the one thing that really uh, attracted me or kind of got my attention was the fact that you're a Navy brat just like me so i was like oh my god i definitely need to talk to her so you were born in india and you lived in mumbai um and you're a navy brat just like me so tell me a little bit uh what was it like growing up you know in that uh, in that time but it, uh, having dads who are like passionately navy what was it like uh you know growing up and what did you dream about and who were your role models and what you want to do
0: Yeah, sure. So um, dad served uh, the Indian Navy for 15 years. And uh, since I was in Bombay, we stayed in the most obvious location, Navy Nagar. Uh, And uh, yeah, I have still uh, very vivid memories of the Indo-Park war. And thinking it was very exciting as a child, because, you know, we used to use newspaper to black out the windows and eat in the center of the room by candlelight. So at that time, I saw it as an adventure. But looking back, I, re- I realized it was really serious. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it was, uh, it, it was there they were these very unusual experiences, uh, but uh, they shaped uh, my life eventually. Uh, weekends also meant Kolaba, which was close by, and Regal Cinema, and in English movies, and Gateway of India, till dad left Navy. And then eventually we bought our home in Vashi, uh, New Bombay, and we moved there. So, uh, my childhood, from whatever I can recall, is that I love to read and I always had a library membership. So, anyone who might have lived in Navy Nag- Nagar uh, would remember there was a guy who had a small little shop. And uh, it was a library of sorts and we used to go and buy comics and books oh, for yes. 20 and it whatever. Was the first, it was the first shop on that strip mall, wasn't it? Correct. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Correct. So there are a lot of people who remember the guy. Sadly, I don't remember his name, but I think, uh, thank God for him. Yes. And the other thing is that dad, um, it's who he was. He encouraged me to read a lot. Uh, he bought me books and he loved to read too. So eventually, this love of reading led to writing. And uh, when I look back, I remember when I went to visit my dad's, uh, my uh, grandparents in Kerala, I remember that my father's father kept a diary. He used to work for the army, in but an administrative. My dad kept a diary. And what I did is I think I went a step further. Uh, while I did write a diary, I wrote poetry. I was very serious about it. So I went through this whole phase, you know, where I appeared very outgoing. I used to play with other children. In Bashi, we used to like climb trees and we used to go climb walls and go to each other's house from the backyard wall. But um, I also uh, spent many evenings uh, alone writing poems. So uh, that that was uh, another side of me. And um, while growing up, I was fascinated by history. So and I also love photography and so I went through these phases where I first wanted to be a photographer, then I wanted to be an archaeologist and I did spend a lot of time, you know, uh, any digs that were reported in India, like I used to keep a scrapbook, Hmm. Uh, then later I was interested in psychology, but eventually language one and I went on to graduate in English literature Uh, In terms of uh, fascination, or, you know, uh, I can say role models or whatever, I I can say that I was always fascinated by different styles of writing in poetry and prose, like haiku poetry, uh, the poems of Carl Sandburg, which I discovered very late in life, late as in finally of graduation, uh, Gulzar's poems, I love uh, Urdu poetry, and uh, I also love Kawali's, because Uh, especially when they have what they call the saval jawab, the question answer. Uh, It it was a bit later, I realized that these, the depth of these words, they actually spoke of divine ecstasy. And, you know, not of a love for man, for a woman, but you know, your your love for God, and your longing to be uh, with the one. Uh, And uh, I was a compulsive reader like uh, you, Uh, I I still am. (laughs) (laughs) And I went through my phases of Mills and Boone like any other teenager, but Parallelly, I uh, I love Paul Gallico. I I love mystery. I love the Earl Stanley Gardner series, Agatha Christie, and during those days, I don't know if you recall, but Russian book sales are very common in Bombay. Mm-hmm. So I also read Dostoevsky, Chekhov, Pushkin. I mean, I started discovering like various styles of writing, and uh, like I say, uh, sometimes I read two or three or even four books simultaneously, where all are different pages, and you know. So I had some strange rituals, which I want to share with you. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Around 10 o'clock, if, if you lived in Bombay, we had a, a Bombay A channel that played Western classical. So you had a lot of Mozart and Beethoven and Handel. And what I'd do is I'd read while the music played in the background, like I'd create what you call atmosphere mm-hmm. and for effect light a candle. So the turning point and, uh, you know, we all have turning points in our life. So, my turning point then was reading Jonathan Livingstone's Seagull, which is written by Richard Bach. And uh, I kind of identified with that book. And uh, you know, about a seagull who wanted to fly while others fought about food and, you know, other ordinary um, day to day things in life. Mm -hmm. And to date, I give this book to 13 year olds who I feel are the dreamers who need a chank to push them over the edge. Mm So um, eventually my dream shifted to becoming a copywriter uh, and I landed my first job in an ad agency in Uh, Mm Kolaba. Journalism was not in the plans. Actually, I'm what I call an accidental journalist. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so um, I got into journalism eventually after the first job and Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, never looked back since. Uh, Coming to your question on role models, uh, my first role model was my dad. Uh, He was very inspirational. He read a lot, and uh, I think it was the navy background. He did not box us into being like you know you are you know roles uh, in playing certain roles that you know men traditionally try to um, what do you say uh, guide you into. So he he would not say like you know you're a girl don't do this or that. He just kept motivating us to do uh, well in life. And uh, I remember I could ask my father any question as a child and he replied like he had a rationale that it was better for a parent to explain things to a child than learning from others or in a twisted way. So there was, there was a lot of openness and uh, candor and I, I, I think it was very interesting. But what I really loved uh, and admired about dad is that he did things with complete dedication. And with a lot of passion, and he never believed in making excuses. So we had uh, he had got this, uh, you know, those days a uh, lot of people had paintings or saying, you know, which was on a uh, you know a board or something that was prominent in the house. Mm-hmm. So he had something etched in steel, which was from some, uh, Swami Vivekananda. Uh, it said, "When you're doing any work, do it as worship, as the highest worship." and devote your whole life to it for the time being and i think because he placed it in the showcase what we used to call showcases uh, you know the wall units that we had uh, it kind of sent this subliminal message every time i pass by so i think these kind this the same kind of you know uh, etched into my brain and uh, the other thing was whether it was balancing his job and a business which dad was also doing business Uh, charity towards strangers. Dad just took decisions and stood by his choices. So even if he was wrong. So I saw that as a good thing, uh, what you call nowadays failing upward. Uh, Whereas most people said, don't do this because of this, don't do that. But he he just went and did things and uh, people really admired him. And he had another, uh, what I call strange quality. While he got angry over little things like people being late you know or food being late or yeah when there was a crisis I saw that my father was actually the calm in the eye of the storm Mm -hmm. and everyone turned to him so I guess I imbibed that quality Mm -hmm. and that was to stand me in good stead years later as a single parent yeah you know you? I'm sorry go ahead yeah, sorry. Uh, the other person, uh, I, the next person I admired after Dad was uh, Indira. Uh, she was the co-founder of the agency I joined, Urja. Uh, she uh, was, you know, a very unusual woman. She had learned karate she would take the stairs, Uh, she was a great mentor, and she would keep asking me to do this exercise, like she'd say, Sona, where do you see yourself one year from now? Where do you see yourself two years from now? And where do you see yourself five years from now? I was not a five year kind of person. But the one year from now thing worked. And uh, I ended up being in business world because I found the magazine very fascinating. And uh, she asked, she said, where do you see yourself one year from now? And I said, business world. And she said, why is that? I said, it's because they write uh, business for the ordinary person on the road to understand. And I would like to be that kind of writer where I make complex things simple. And it's strange that within a year I was in business world. So, And she supported you, like she actually would support your decision. She even said... Why don't you start writing for them? So she she was an amazing mentor. And uh, the next mentor who I really admired uh, was the editor of Business World then, R. Jagannathan. Everyone used to call him Jaggi. Uh, He was a very calm editor and he was a brilliant writer. Like he would take two hours or more to write the first pair of this cover story. And it was so again so simple and so brilliant like we all felt oh we could have done it but we could not have you know and i feel that that is the hallmark of brilliance people who make complex things look simple yep so, if you can explain I mean, it other, to, yeah. if yeah. you can
1: explain it to a 5 year old yes that's the your job yep yes
0: exactly And then there are other role models. Like there was Olga Tellis, who was a legendary writer then with Sunday Magazine. Uh, She always had time for everyone, even when on deadline. And I think that was the reason for her success that she was the Olga Tellis. And uh, there have been other people I admire after coming to the Gulf. the uh, chairman of the Gulf Research Center, which no, lo- no longer is there, Abdulaziz Sagar. He, was, um, uh, he is a maverick, I should say. I haven't seen him for years, but he was always ahead of his time. So in 2004, I actually joined his research center uh, as online business editor. And at that time, most people were not looking at online. And he always pushed us to do different things. And you know, we would think, oh, my God. But he he was ahead. Like he used to say, Sona, we should have podcasts on our website. In 2004, Sona, we should have podcasts. We should have videos. uh, We should do this. We should do that. And I was like, you know, I can't take this. Mm -hmm. But after having left the research center and, you know, launching the second architecture magazine after that, I started realizing I learned so much in the two years that I was there. and. Another role model is uh, Riyad Riyad Migdadi, who was the editor of the uh, second newspaper I worked here in this region. He was the editor-in-chief of Emirates Business. He was another person who was a maverick. And what I loved about him was in 2010, there was this global recession and the paper closed down and went online. And uh, the most brilliant thing about Riyad is, he called each and every one who was laid off one by one. He first addressed us collectively, and then he called us one by one. And he told us all the, all the same thing. If you are looking for a job and you need a recommendation, come to me and I'll help you get the job. I mean, this is, these are like qualities in people that, yes, you're brilliant at your work, but also you know uh, how you look at people. And uh, I think the common factor in all my role models is that they're all mavericks. And uh, I'm also very, very fascinated, like many people in Dubai, by the ruler, by the ruler of Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed. Uh, How I see it is because I've launched architecture magazines and I've spoken to many people is, it's his vision and perseverance that led the city to get the first metro in the Gulf region. So... It's still the first city and it's the it's the first city to have the tallest building, not just in this region, but in the world. Wow. So I, I think that is an achievement for a, a small city, which is not depend on oil and traditionally on trading and tourism. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's this ability to dream like, you know, Richard Bach's book or, and then the perseverance to go and fulfill that dream. Uh, this is what I find uh, fascinating. I mean, role models are around all of us. It's just our ability to, you know, through osmosis, mm-hmm. if we are willing to learn new things, even your children can be your role models. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
1: Now, I, I, a lot of the things that you said, and I can, I can totally relate to, especially when you're talking about your dad, you know, my dad's the same way. I think that there is something about the the upbringing like being in the navy that forces them to be a certain way my like what you called uh you know failing upward my dad would say courage of conviction right yes. so you have to be absolutely believe in whatever you're doing so that yes. you know you stand up with confidence in the same way you know boy girl the no difference get the job done that was the thing you know whatever it is exactly. make sure you get the
0: job done and get it done well and no, and also the ability to laugh, you know, in mm-hmm. like That's when yourself. things are really yeah. going bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, one of the businesses that dad did was he was a subbroker's kind of subbroker in code, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And <laughs> when the stock markets crashed, he lost a lot of money. And years later, I asked him, I, I never asked him before. I said, how much money did you lose? And he laughed, you know, he's retired. And he said, oh, I made money, and I lost money. It's fine, and he you know it's the way he laughed. I was mm-hmm. like, this is how probably they you know went and fought yeah the war exactly or things they just mm-hmm. took it all you know with like you just took it in okay. stride, whatever
1: happened, you just it's take exactly. it in stride, yeah, it is the attitude of how you do things, right absolutely so, yeah, no and i and the role models have such a huge part to play. it's like like yes. you were saying you know, all of them are mavericks. They're all visionaries. Yes. And unless somebody puts that seed of imagination in your head, how would you even dream? Right? Exactly. So I think it's so, so important that, you know, youngsters look up to people who have like, who are different because it takes us to a completely different place. That's why I think, I think you and I can relate to books because it was like, it transported me to a world that was completely yes. different. It was like lived in the books. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> That's so true. In in fact, I remember I was in uh, fifth grade. And one day I was extremely unhappy because I went to the library. And that was me, like, as a kid. I, w- I was thinking that, oh, my God, I may die and never be able to finish all the books in the world. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> imagine that was the angst that you know uh, I, I couldn't wait to finish one before i could start the other it's like can i just yeah. you know how you used to have a restriction you could only take so many comics and so many books exactly. or whatever yeah. oh my gosh oh and also Those. the sadness when a book is about to end like yes. if the book is very good you know you, you're you yes. reaching the end I'm like oh my god what do i do after this and it's like yeah, I, I'd be like
1: on a moping on a moping spree after that for a couple of days before I had to get into the next
0: book. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, uh, uh, sometimes I felt like books were like secret lovers. It's like oh, I was, yes. I, if I was reading a book, like I would take it everywhere with me in Bombay, uh, here, even in the Gulf, uh, when I would go for interviewing, even CEOs, I always have a book in my bag. So if someone's late, I have a good time because I'm just reading, like mm-hmm. I keep reading. Mm-hmm. and uh... sometimes it's like I don't want to meet people after that because I want to finish the book so <laughs> yeah, sometimes like, okay. I who love books will identify that sometimes the book that you're reading is like a secret lover you know you're, you're so fascinated you want to keep it away from others
1: i know and if you have and if you got a good book to it's like can you hurry up and finish whatever you're telling me so i can go back and read my book exactly <laughs> exactly yeah
0: Yes. that's so true actually yes
1: yes yes i can totally relate to all that that you said but um yeah you know, I can see how the words and you know being surrounded by poetry and writing poetry and mm. having good role models have kind of helped you get uh, into you know, like you said, accidental journalism. But you've been mm. always writing, right? Right from a very exactly. long time, and you've always yes. worked. Um yes. but then when you got married, your mm. career took a backseat. Mm. So when you're looking back, you know, to uh, to that time, what mm. were some of the other things that changed?
0: Yeah, so uh, how I saw it with a lot of women and it happened to me, like after we got, uh, I got married, within I think four months or so, we came to the Gulf. So we were here in Bahrain and then we came to Dubai. And I saw with a lot of women, uh, which I think has changed over the years, is that women just uh, left their jobs and moved with the family, moved with their husband, moved with their husband and children. And... Uh, uh, it, it didn't seem like a sacrifice, though it did hurt a lot. Uh, we felt that that's the most obvious thing to do. But now when I look at, uh, say, today's generation, or, or also a lot of uh, women, uh, you know, uh, globally, people don't always look at that uh, kind of uh, option. So um, uh, when I married, I worked, you know, like everybody else. Like in Bahrain too, I worked and then... Um, my uh, then husband got an offer in Dubai. So again, I had quit my job by then, but I didn't take another job because I knew we were coming to Dubai. And uh, then the other thing was, um, I had a difficult pregnancy and um, uh, uh, Jasmine's father, Jasmine's my daughter, he headed the region for a shipping company and he had to travel So uh, somehow after my daughter was born, I decided not to work more than the marriage. It was the decision was that of a mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I fell in love with this small little being and I felt I did not want a maid bringing up my child. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see all those first milestones, like the first time she walked, the first time she spoke. So uh, it was a very hard choice, but I took that choice. And then it, it, it was like really difficult. I mean, there were some days I won't lie. I went through phases where I was very, very bored as Mm -hmm. hell. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, infants and toddlers just do their thing. They're Mm -hmm. not so, yes, they're dependent on you, but not the way you think. And the other issue was that I was not into kitty parties and discussing jewelry, which, you know, a lot of people like. Mm -hmm. So I continued being that Jonathan Livingstone Seagull. So I went and joined this library and we were allowed to take five books in two weeks. So I actually would read those five books whenever I could. And uh, I wanted to, I was scared I would lose my ability to write. So I'd keep reading to, you know, stay close to language. And um, I also formed a club, an informal club with ladies whose children were the same age as mine. So one was my neighbor who's an Afghani Sikh. And she's still my friend today. She's gone to Canada. But, you know, our friendship, like... um, Survive the years, changes, and um, I also the other thing I did is I did a monthly newspaper collection with children in the building to teach them recycling. At the end of the year, we donated the money to a special needs center. So I was always doing something. So even though my career took a backseat, I was not one of those who just sat and you know um, spoke for hours on the phone and pastime. I I, I just did something or the other. So um, some things did change. And yes, a lot of people said, are you not scared that your career will take a setback? But it's strange that because of those choices, I got, uh, how I see it is I got more time with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so when she started play school, I was ready to get back to part-time working. And eventually I went back to full-time working. So it's okay. Uh, I don't feel in a world... uh, where you know a lot of rules of working are dictated by men and officers and corporates mm-hmm. there are different ways of working thank and you for listening an and don't forget so to subscribe
1: and if you love the show
0: what please given up, I got leave a review just remember and if you, look you at could today, be one uh, story Marley away KC, that, from being uh, inspired the choices that i made then are like choices that people are making now After the pandemic. Right. So not everyone wants to have KPIs and, you know, work 18 hours without being with the family. Uh, Not everyone wants to, you know, um, what you say, go through the grind and keep running treadmills. Yep. Uh, People are taking diverse choices, even lesser pay, uh, you know, to go and explore and do other things that they want to do. Yeah. So I, I guess to each his own. Yep. Yep. For sure. Now you you said you moved to Dubai and
1: you've lived there now for almost 25 years, right? Yes. And uh, so now you're, you're on your own in the sense yes. that you have your own company, you're an entrepreneur, you're a single mother. Yes. But you lived outside of India for so long. Mm-hmm. What do you think in your mind has helped you uh, where you are today?
0: Okay. So I have a, a simple philosophy. I believe that if you can get up and your feet touch the ground and you can walk then you just go to the kitchen and start the kettle and make your first cup of tea and keep moving after that okay yep. <laughs> I agree yeah it's it's, it's very simple but it, it kind of works instead of lying in bed and wallowing for hours, you know in self-pity or wondering about all the horrible things that await you like if your feet can touch the ground, and like I say, if God still has that given, given you the ability to continue walking, just keep walking. And uh, I guess the other thing is, like I said, I love reading and writing. I love understanding trends and what makes the world tick. So my passion led to my profession, which is not easy. Right. But then again, I, I realized much later that I love that adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm you know, the deadline in journalism, the joy of closing an issue, completing a story and that being in a zone. So I think it's it's passion, you know, that's uh, helped me get where I am today. And uh, I think uh, above all, I tend to go with the flow. So I never plan to live abroad for so long. Let me be very, very honest. Hmm. And I've lived longer in Dubai than I've lived in India, in Bombay or wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what really helped me is uh, agility, uh, the ability to let go of things. So I've been a single mom since 2003 and I've seen a lot of ups and downs. But I think somewhere at some point you just have to let go of the things you can't control. You know, or no and that's of- a very hard lesson. It's a very, very yes. hard lesson to yeah. do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Because if you look at a lot of people who are old, I don't, I would not say old is so much of your age, but your thinking and rigidity. And once that sets in, you know, um, it really ages you faster than you should be aging. I agree. And yeah. And I think the thing that helped me the most, (laughs) which a lot of my friends know and everyone laughs about it, even people who work with me is I love taking naps. Yes, I'm a big proponent of that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So (laughs) so for me, it's like you're depressed, you're angry, you're feeling helpless, you don't know how to pay bills, or you don't know how to get to the next month or next year. So I just take a nap. And when I get up, I forget why I'm so emotional. And uh, it's like a reset button. Yep. Uh, I actually wonder why people don't take enough naps and they're so s- scared. Naps are like another guilty pleasure for mm. people. And um, I started getting bolder about this when I launched my first architecture magazine, this was mm. in 2001. Uh, we used to work late and I knew that you know on the way back after work, there's a lot of traffic out, like sit in another mm. an hour and a half of traffic, even in a city like Dubai and so what i did is uh, during lunch my lunch break i would take a sandwich a sandwich you can eat very quickly and uh, i would just have some water and then go to the car and like i would just nap. sleep 20 minutes, yes. yes. 20 minutes power nap not 20 minutes 10 minutes for the sandwich 15 minutes for the nap I'd set a timer on the mobile and put on, you know, my sunglasses or a scarf or my face and darken, you know, the environment. And then the last 10 minutes, I'd get, get up, come back, wash my face and start working as if nothing happened. Hmm. And I, w- I would definitely, definitely say that I owe a lot. I mean, having reached here to my friends hmm. uh, who stood by me through thick and thin, because nothing like a good friend when you're in a strange country, Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they they are your extended family. And initially it was like, oh, my family is back in India. My friends are back in India. There was no Facebook then. You had to, you know, uh, do international calls. But once I started making friends with people and I have friends with me who are, you know, with me for the last 20 plus years, I think they are like your 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 rock of gibraltar your sounding board everything and
1: yeah we call them family you know friends who are family (laughs) family yeah
0: absolutely especially
1: when you're far away from you know home and this is your home now so this is your family
0: yeah and i said like i said go with the flow i mean make the best of wherever you are I think it's also a Bombay trait. Yes. <laughs> saying attributed yeah. to Bombay but yes. Chalta hai. Chal hai. Ha. Chal chal hai. Chal hai. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, you went from you know being a working woman and then wife mother and then entrepreneur yeah. starting your own business you then you were single yes. mother. So how what was the hardest part about starting your own business? And what was the easiest one?
0: So actually, there was no hard part, except the audit part, because I never audited. Okay, I'm being very honest here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The easiest part of starting the business was that my daughter was my pillar of strength. She just graduated and come back from Singapore. And um, she was like, uh, I came home all shattered, you know, when I due to the global layoff at Thomson Reuters, I lost my job. And I came home, I was in shock and grief. And she said, don't worry, I'm here with you. And somehow just hearing that calm me down. And um, the thing is, I started thinking that this has happened to me before. So in 2010, like I mentioned, the newspaper had closed down, and a lot of us editors lost our jobs. And uh, we have uh, some amazing free zones here. Uh, uh, and I, at that time, i would taken a visa and a hot desk in Dubai Media City. But since it was a hot desk, no one took me seriously. Like when I wanted to do uh, work with, say, government entities, they would say, oh, you do not have a corporate account. Mm. So uh, this time around, when I lost my job and just a global layoff, I thought that From 2001, if publishers thought that I was good enough to launch their magazines and portals, and they were willing to take a risk on me, then I could take a risk, you know, to launch my own company. Mm -hmm. But this time around, I went and launched it as a business. So I set up a corporate account, I decided to invest in, you know, going the extra mile so that I'm taken seriously as a business. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the other thing is also uh, my father was very encouraging because he had worked, he had done business in uh, mm-hmm. the Navy background, all of it. And um, I, I, I recall there was a day, I mean, he passed away uh, two years ago, but uh, sometimes when in doubt, I remember the day I, I, one day I told him it was a second year of business. And I was like, uh, you know, dad, there's no business. Like there's nothing. The last few months, I don't have any work. And he was very calm and he said, oh, business is like that. Mm -hmm. Some months you won't have work and some months you'll have so much work that you have to hire other people Mm -hmm. and you won't know what to do. You won't know how to balance it. Mm -hmm. And I think these these kind of uh, motivational factors made it easy. And uh, I would tell every woman out there who's listening uh, that, especially single moms, that if as a single mother you can run your house you Mm -hmm. can run a business that's it yeah it's just like your baby right that's it that's yeah yeah no this
1: that's very that's really that's really good especially your dad's telling you, don't worry about it it's like
0: okay it'll change right and then as long as you have that attitude you can do whatever so i actually had friends who were very good friends editor friends and they said so now what are you doing why don't you get a job and I was like, okay, if you can find me one in the next one week, I'll I'll like take the job. But till then, let me do my own business. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, everyone would start laughing. So I, I think you can do it. And um, I think women are so scared of failure, but un- unless you try, how do you know? Exactly. And also be balanced far more than men. I mean, we then you know, like when you get married, you not just balance your family but also your husband's family and you uh, as you grow older you know you have to also keep an eye on your parents because they're growing older mm-hmm. and you if your children get married then you have to look you know at their in-laws and their family so i feel that women have the strength in them it's just uh, owning and accepting that strength that's that's it no, I
1: think that that's all really, really important. um I, I think we don't give ourselves enough credit, you know, and exactly. we're always looking for outside validation. We need to give ourselves, we need to pat ourselves on the back and not have to look outside because I think we're pretty phenomenal <laughs> by ourselves. Exactly. But we're all so this is surrounding ourselves with power And And if you look around,
0: men lose money too. Mm hmm. But nobody talks I mean, about they that lose money in business yeah. They, yeah. they lose money in like bad decisions so yeah. why a woman is like i mean i think a woman is more prudent because she oh, would yes. look at the bigger picture especially if she has kids protecting mm-hmm. her kids so we we're actually better investors and savers than you know men, yeah, so don't, i i don't. think uh we should look at why we uh why we don't we cannot do it and actually i wish i had started earlier when i look back now i wish i had you know done this much much earlier Mm -hmm. yeah so looking back
1: knowing what you know now what are some of the key financial lessons you've learned when you started your business
0: okay so uh like i said being a single mom since 2003 and you know for many years i i was living month to month so it taught me how to be good with finance Mm -hmm. And also having a background in business journalism. So after having started my own business, I, and even before, my advice to women is firstly, create a mixed portfolio of investments. So um, it took me longer because of you know, my commitments. But I did buy a home. And without a loan, because I don't believe in taking loans. So I thought instead of taking loans and running up high interest and, being unable to pay and being worried if I lose my job, how will I pay my loan? I just saved and bought the home and it was fine. It was later in life. It was good. Uh, Also have mixed uh, portfolio of investments. So gold, FDs, stocks, um, you you know, look at different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing I learned uh, or the best thing I learned um, in running my business is to pay myself a salary. Yes, so important. Because you, you just think it's your money, but no. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my friends who's an auditor, he's a very good mentor. He said, you know, every month, please pay yourself a salary. Right. Because uh, you have to run it like a business. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is in order to stretch myself to pay that salary, I have to go beyond that because then I start seeing, you know, the audit helps me to see what are the other business overhead expenses mm-hmm. besides your home expenses, which is personal expenses. right? And, you, you know, when you sit and draw these two, what you call ledgers, uh, you, you start uh, uh, looking at the way you live your life in terms mm-hmm. of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, which was a simple, but brilliant financial lesson, which is something drilled into my brain by my mom, is cut your coat according to your cloth. So that took me through the bad times. Mm -hmm. Um, I've not been a partying kind of person. Mm -hmm. I love to hang out with very few uh, close friends. But I never, uh, you know, Mali believed in having credit cards, taking loans to look good in front of others. Because a, a lot of financial debt from what I have seen with men and women, not just here, but globally, you know, people I meet, have conversations with even in my past life as an editor and journalist is people live beyond their means and and then there's no point in blaming the bank and mm-hmm. blaming society and recession mm-hmm. yep you 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 need to uh make those choices the other thing is also take time to look up deals i learned this from my daughter so you know you can, you learn you can learn from anyone like mm-hmm. anyone oh, is yes. a teacher. Mm-hmm. So all uh, my daughter and her friends—they all taught me that there are deals, there are apps, and you know you can say fifteen percent, twenty percent. And uh, the last thing I would say is uh, read, research, and look up things yourself. Like right now, I'm immersed in reading about NFTs and how I could sell original content, as in my photography. Oh, that be yeah,
1: yeah. That's actually yeah, so huge right yes. now. Mm-hmm.
0: So just be open to learning. I mean, it's okay. You 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 could lose money, but like I said, anyone could lose money. So True. you you read and you research and look up things for yourself and see what's happening around you. Um, read up on cryptocurrency. Okay, you don't understand it, but then you would understand it someday. So yeah. you can start now. It's better to go with the flow because otherwise you'll be left behind. So you might yeah, as well start. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. No. 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 I. I totally, totally agree with all of that because I'm I'm the same way. You know, it's like, do what you need to do, survive on, you know, you don't need to, you say, like you said, you know, you don't need to take a loan to look good for other people. So
0: yeah, you, you don't need to. And the other thing is when you read and research and if you lose money, you are responsible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's no point in saying someone else advised me or my fund manager was bad or like, I, I, I always see this as, uh, don't uh, put blame on other people. Yeah. You make choices, and uh, live the consequences you know, of whatever choices it is, and yep. then own own your choices. And okay, except humbly, you failed. And yep. if you succeeded, then you know everyone's saying that they always knew it. Yeah, <laughs> that you I mean, honestly, something. there is no failure, it is yes. always a lesson that you've learned. So, okay, exactly. if you lost money, it's like, okay,
1: so it's you know that when you did that that this is what's going to happen so now you know next time we'll do that or you'll try something different <laughs> so.
0: yeah i mean and i i think that inspires our children and uh you know in turn to learn from from us especially mm-hmm. our daughters yes because very much they, so. they just they just need to know that oh my mom did it so can i yeah it's you know uh they, there was no like you know what in traditionally in India we call Abla Nari in mm-hmm. quotes, like the helpless woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, there uh, is no helpless yes. woman. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I believe that you could be helpless for a while, but you cannot be helpless forever. forever. At some point, you have to stand up and start walking.
1: Yep, I agree. I totally agree. And so yes. you've actually started traveling on your own and doing short films. Like you said, you have a, uh, you know, a passion for photography and mm. Uh, a love affair with the city of Varanasi so how did all of that happen
0: yeah so like I told you when we first spoke that initially I traveled with others and you you know women have we have this thing of playing safe so Mm -hmm. with family uh, work uh, on press trips you know where the PR agency takes you on this junket and uh, I've seen a lot of fabulous places in Europe, uh, Marrakesh, and uh, China, and uh, Hong Kong, and, you know, really had a great time. And there was always this, uh, we got two, three hours to be on our own. But that was it, you went back and everything was taken care of. And it, it struck me several times that I should overcome my fear of traveling alone, especially because I lived alone for many years when my daughter went to boarding and then she was studying in college in Singapore. So uh, when I, was, I uh, joined this group of photographers, it's called Photowork Alumni, and I joined this uh, group, uh, which has these, uh, there's a guy called Subodh who runs it. And he, he does these photography trips to India, which are also workshops. And uh, whenever I traveled with the group, I realized that it was the same thing. I love the group, but then I also loved being alone and I would start wandering off. And uh, so this, this realization came over a serious, series of trips. So I first did the Golden Triangle and saw Delhi, Agra, Jodhpur, uh, Jaipur, Pushkar. And then we did Brindaban Holi. And then one day... Uh, I got this message that we are going to Varanasi and I was like, no, 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 I don't want to see Varanasi because everything I read about Varanasi scared me, you know, their bodies floating in the Ganga and their people waiting to attack you and make you do pujas. So Subodh said, you know, you would love Varanasi, Sona, because it's got these endless streets and endless opportunities for photography, filming, which you love. And I've done this course in filmmaking, so... I said, okay, let's go. And I think that was a life-changing decision. And uh, the first evening, uh, you know, we are sitting in the boat, the very first evening in Varanasi, are sitting in the boat and uh, the Arti started at Dasha Ghat. And uh, they started uh, singing the Shiv Tandav Stotram. And something just shifted in me again. It was like a huge major shift and suddenly I felt I'd come home now this thing is um, wherever I traveled in all these places that I visited all these years even if I stayed in a five star or wherever within a couple of days I would want to go back home but Varanasi was this first city that I went and I felt I'd come home so I think probably it goes back to other lifetimes and uh, what happened is a few months later I lost my job at Thomson Reuters and I got my business license and a friend was getting married a very dear friend was getting married in Pune. and she said you have to come for my wedding so I thought if I'm going to Pune, and you know I've just set up the company everything is new why not actually go to Varanasi and stay alone so I just went I told one of my photographer friends there to find me a place which was safe and close to a seaguard, and so I could get up in the morning and do photography and I went alone and it was such a freeing experience because I met this, um, these two ladies who had come from Hawaii and they were really old but they were so amazing, they were full of life and they too were traveling the world, you know, and experiencing it. And I started meeting different people in Varanasi. Like uh, eventually I've been there five times. So I met Katya, who's from St. Petersburg, who was staying in the same guest house as me. And she's been coming to Varanasi for 10 years. And so I started meeting, yeah, I started meeting a lot of what I call Varanasi addicts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some came because Kashi was the holy city. Some came for the culture. Uh, And you know, Varanasi has many names, Kashi and Banaras. Mm -hmm. Banaras is actually the Banarsi way of life. So, <laughs> so, so that's how I started traveling alone. And I think it's like, you know, how you go to the gym and you you start, you know, doing workouts. So I I call it it's like flexing your mental muscle and mm-hmm. building it up. And once you overcome that block, you you are like completely free. Yes. So. Yes, and there's this uh, lady, Emirati lady. Uh, people from UAE they call Emiratis. She was following my stories on Instagram, and she said, uh, "Sona, it's so fascinating the kind of stories you put up your pictures." Would you? So I told her about the trip, and she said, "This is so fascinating that you went alone." She said, "I have a group called Mujitama, which means community, and could you give a talk on your trip?" So I actually gave a talk. They were all like artists and poets, and you know. Uh, Uh, from here and an international crowd that turned up and when I finished people were like really shocked because I started speaking about things like we women make excuses it's not the right time Mm -hmm. then the thing is that we actually we are scared to travel alone Mm -hmm. so we say the children are small my in-laws need me my husband's traveling uh, it's not the right time. My kids have, let my kids get married. You know, we keep making excuses. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I know that there are groups of women who travel uh, mm-hmm. in groups. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, why don't you try traveling alone and just stop making excuses? Because mm-hmm. there's no perfect time. Yep.
1: I totally agree. There is there is no such thing as the right time.
0: It is the, Whenever you do it, it's the right time. Exactly. It's, you know, I remember the Giotta saying, um, whenever you dream, you can. And uh, then there's something and then boldness has magic to it. And I think you should just take that leap of faith and... and, And 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 don't think that your kids and everyone are going to miss you. I mean, if you're very scared, you can start with like a two day break and a three day break, and then, like I said, build up uh, mm-hmm. mental muscle. Where I've gone and stayed for one month alone, mm-hmm. and I've done it uh, more than once. Yeah.
1: No, I think this is
0: such a it's
1: such an important thing that you know that women should do, and that that's what yes. even my whole thing is about. So when yes. you, you know, when you look at all the things that you've done, you should be so proud of all the things that you've done because you've literally lived a lifetime of experiences, you know, <laughs> so, uh, and I can relate to a lot of them. So what would you want to tell others, especially women who want to travel on their own and follow
0: their dreams? What, it, what advice would you give them? So, uh, what I tell them is that, um, whoever's listening is, uh, you have TripAdvisor today, which, you know, helps you check out places online and look up discounts again. So you can get good deals and actually stay in great places. And you can read real reviews from people uh, who have been there. And uh, my other advice is if you know the smarts, I mean, if you lived in big city, then smarts like don't take dark lanes as shortcuts and you know, uh, uh, like build up a small network of people so that, you know, you have someone to call in an emergency. And um, yeah, I mean, I would just say, just go for it. This is uh, my experience, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I would actually uh, end with quoting my favorite lines from Jonathan Livingstone Seagull that I first read when I was 13 years and what's really shaped my life. Uh the lines go like uh, your whole body from wingtip to wingtip is nothing more than your thought itself uh, in a form you can see break the chains of your thought and you break the chains of your body too so that's awesome I, that is so yeah. apt for this <laughs> thank so you so I Yes. So I just feel that it's like Bach wrote in another book, argue enough for your limitations and sure enough, they are yours. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But thank you, Sona. I really do appreciate you taking the time and talking about your journey and all the fascinating trips that you've taken and all the things that have happened. Because I think, I think a lot of women need to listen to this to realize that you know what there's so much out there and not to be afraid and just jump in with both feet and you'd be surprised at what you would experience yeah
0: thank you Malni, for having me on the show oh you're very welcome
1: thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe and if you love the show please leave a review just remember you could be one story away from being inspired